Thank you for coming. Choir, great stuff. Loved it. Thank you, band. We appreciate the practice and the hard work. Uh, wanted to mention this real quickly just before I get started, because uh, I always like stuff like this. Uh, we have our youth pastor, Adam King, is out this morning. He's actually preaching in a church in Coshocton. We also have Chase Rossers out preaching at uh, a church in Cambridge. So it's always pretty cool when New Hope can extend its reach and minister out in the surrounding communities. Um, so, Lord, please touch and bless their services today at those churches. Uh, good morning, everyone. You with me? All right. Now, hopefully this serves as an important reminder to you today. Um, one of the most beautiful things about Christianity is the fact that you can be forgiven. You can be forgiven of your sins. Really, this is kind of exclusive to the Christian faith. You can be cleansed from your sins. You can be washed in the atoning blood of Jesus Christ. 1 John 1.7 says this. It says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. How, how much sin did that say again we're cleansed from? All sin. Does anyone get excited about that? Can anyone say amen to that, that you're cleansed from all sin? Forgiveness is what sets Christianity apart, really, from all the other world religions. The fact that you can be forgiven, it's exclusive to Christianity, you see, all, all the other religions in one form or another teach that you must be good. They teach that you must do good. And if you do enough good, you might just merit a good afterlife. You might just merit a good reincarnation or nirvana or karma or something like that. But it, it seems to me that all the religions in the world, they have a problem dealing with sin. That's what differentiates Christianity from all of them. How do they deal with sin? How do they deal with iniquity? We all sense that there's something wrong with the world. We all look around us and we see that it's sinful and we see that it's fallen. But how do you deal with sin? Do we act like it doesn't exist? Do we act like it's not a problem? Can you do a certain amount of good to try and do undo the bad? What do you do about sin? Well, I can tell you this morning... What Christianity teaches about dealing with sin. Listen to this. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, it says this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you see what that does there? Do you see what Christianity teaches us there? Do you see how it works? See, we, we can be cleansed from sin, but it's Jesus that receives the glory for the cleansing. I can be forgiven, I can be made clean, but I don't get the credit for it. He does. It's his work. I get made clean from sin, but it is not to my credit. It is what Christ does. He receives the credit. Do you realize how important it is to be forgiven? Do you realize that? Do you realize how important it is to be liberated from sin? Do you realize how freeing it is to be cleansed, to have your guilty conscience cleansed, to be made new, to be washed, to be purified? Do you, any of you remember some of the sinful things you've done? You remember way back then some of those sinful things you've done? Or was everyone in here born a saint right out of your mother's womb? Mm, be careful how you answer that. Need I bring up the Ten Commandments? 
Thou shalt not bear false witness. You know what that means? It means don't lie. How many times have you lied in your life? Thou shalt not commit adultery. Jesus takes that a step further and says, you aren't even allowed to lust. How many times have you violated that? Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not, or you shall honor your mother and your father. How many times have you dishonored them, talked back to them, treated them poorly? Some of you are thinking, no, no, we don't need to go over the Ten Commandments. I get your point already. Move along, move along. If, if we're honest in here this morning, not a single one of us came out of the womb a saint. None of us. 1 John 1.8 says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. There's a, a local family that recently lost a dear loved one. And I was close with that family for a number of years of my life growing up, going back many years. One of them in particular I ran around with and we used to have lots of fun together and do whatever we thought was fun. And Seeing them recently uh, reminded me of some of those old days of mine. Now this is going back almost 30 years and my mind went back. You ever see someone from long ago and kind of reminds you of your past and and those things from a long, long time ago. And that's what happened to me. And my mind went back and I remembered how I was back then. How immature I was. Some of my behavior. I'm very ashamed of some of the ways I acted. Very embarrassed over the ways I acted way, way, way back then. And I thought about some of the things I had done. And, you know, you might be shocked to learn that I wasn't very pastorly back then. Even today, I'm not very pastorly at times. But if I take myself back, I remember I knew the Bible was true. I did all those years ago. I wasn't really living it, but I knew the Bible was true. I knew there was a God. I knew it. I knew that I, I can't bring myself to think otherwise. I, I actually even way back then believed in Jesus. I did. I, I believed he was sinless. I believed he was crucified. And I even believed he resurrected bodily and Ascended into heaven. I believed in all that. But there was a problem of getting all that belief from here in my mind to down here in my heart. I, I believed it up here with my intellect, but it wasn't here in my heart. And, and brothers and sisters, the problem is when it's only up here and when it's not in your heart, you don't really live it out. You don't live it out. If it's just in your head, it's just an idea. It's just a thought. It's just a notion. It's just a belief. That's all that it is. It isn't really who you are. Who you are is in here. Who you are is in your heart. That's who you really are. That's really what you live out is what's in your heart. I wonder how many of you in here this morning can think back on some of those days when you weren't serving the Lord. Have they been so long ago that you've forgotten about them? When you were living for yourself, doing your thing, having a good old time, breaking commandments, violating his word, serving yourself. We all have skeletons in our closet, don't we? Some of us got a closet full of skeleton. The door's getting ready to break forth. Uh, imagine, I always think of it this way, and I, I don't know why I think of it this way. Maybe because I was raised in church, but imagine... If you could have some of those evil, wicked things that you did 
imagine if they're recorded some way, you know, or somehow, and they, they one day got played up on these big screens in, in front of your church family, some of the wicked things that you did, some of the embarrassing things you did, some of the immature things you did. Imagine if they got played on these screens in front of the congregation. Wouldn't it be mortifying? Wouldn't it be so embarrassing? Imagine if people found out some of the wicked things that you've done, some of those things you try to cover up, you don't want anyone to find out because you're ashamed of them. It'd be completely mortifying. It would be so shameful that if it happened to any one of us in here this morning, you probably wouldn't even come back to church anymore. You'd be so embarrassed. You wouldn't be able to show your face here at New Hope anymore if if some of our, our low moments, our sinful moments were played on these screens for everyone to see. Each and every one of us in here would be so humiliated We wouldn't be able to look any one of our brothers and sisters in Christ in the eye anymore, let alone go before God. Look what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. It says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? It says, Be not deceived, neither, it gives this this big list, neither fornicators nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Look at that first part of 11 says, And such were some of you. And such were some of you. Do you understand? We have ex-fornicators here in this church this morning. We have ex idolaters here in this church this morning we have ex-drunkards here in this church this morning we have ex-thieves here in this church this morning i hate to burst your bubble but this is what new hope church is made up of ex-heathens every single one of us is an ex-heathen if you're washed and if you're saved and the bible reminds us as such were some of you The Bible reminds us that at one time you were unrighteous and you committed those things. You did those things. Don't try to escape it. Don't try to act like it didn't happen. That was you. That was who you were. As such were some of you. But then the verse doesn't leave off there. Look what it says. But, it says, but ye are washed, ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Do you understand, brothers and sisters, when you gave your life to Christ, three things happened. Three extremely important things happened inside of you. Number one, but ye are washed. Number two, but ye are sanctified. And number three, but ye are justified. Those three things happen. All of them happen inside of you because of Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus, you can have the prefix X in front of some of those heathenistic things that Corinthians just listed out for us. Three major things happen inside of you when you get saved. The Bible says there in Corinthians. Look back at that verse 11. The first one says, But ye are washed from from all those wicked, sinful things. But ye are washed. That's the first thing that happens to you when you come to the Lord Jesus. Authentically. and, And when you mean it. And when you're genuine. And when you come to Him. And you receive salvation. When you're When you're regenerated. The first thing the Bible says, ye are washed. Your iniquities are cleansed from you. Amen? 
You are cleansed. The blood of Jesus is applied to your life. The blood of Jesus is applied to your heart. His blood covers and removes the sinful deeds that you've committed. Those things you're embarrassed. Those things you're mortified over. You don't want anyone to find out. Jesus' blood comes in and covers and washes you. But ye are washed, the Bible says. Your sins were taken from you and placed upon Jesus Christ. I say amen to that. His blood covers and removes the sinful deeds you've committed. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 17 even takes that a step further. says, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. You understand Hebrews, which is in the New Testament, there is actually quoting from Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah in the Old Testament. When Jeremiah prophesies about a new covenant in which God will forgive sins and remember our iniquities no more. Hallelujah to that. Those things that I'm mortified over and embarrassed and ashamed about, God says, I will remember them no more. Why? But ye are washed. Because you're washed. You know, many years ago, I used to love riding dirt bikes. Kind of too old and I'm afraid to crash and get all tore up anymore. So I don't really do it anymore. But I used to ride dirt bikes a lot. And I had a big group of friends. We'd go ride our bikes all the time. We'd have a blast. We'd go all over and have a great time. And uh, at the end of the dirt bike season, you know, in the winter time when it was all cold and not too many people would ride anymore, I would, now you might think this is a little overboard, but I enjoyed it. I would take my bike apart clear down to the nut and bolt. I mean, I would completely disassemble my bike, and I would take a toothbrush and simple green, you ever heard of that? It's like a solution, cleaning solution. And I would scrub every nook and cranny on that bike. Every bolt, every nut, every washer, all the bearings, I would redo the whole entire thing, and I enjoyed it. I'd put some music on, and I would go to town for hours. I would clean this thing over a period of weeks, and then I would put it all back together. And when I reassembled it, it was ready to go in the springtime. It was brand new, sharp, shining. It looked great. And I tell you that because that's what happens to you when you get saved. The Lord Jesus, he comes into your heart, and he sees the, the buildup and the grime and the, the years of neglect and the use and abuse in there. And he removes the build-up sins. He removes the, 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 the caked-on grime that's inside of your heart. He shines it all up and makes it all new again. But ye are washed. You're washed. That's the first thing that happens to a genuine convert. Is the sins that they have committed are forgiven and paid for by Jesus but ye are washed washed thank you Lord then that verse 11 moves on it says but ye are sanctified that's the second thing you're washed then you're sanctified the saved individual is brought closer to God that's what it means to be sanctified the convert, the new convert is taken from their sinful environment and brought into the pastures of the Lord Jesus Christ. The new believer sees the sinful things that they've done, the sees the sinful lifestyle they've been living, and they desire to come out. They don't want that anymore. They want sanctified. They want brought out of it to be brought closer to God. They don't want that old lifestyle anymore. To sanctify means to separate 
So first he comes in, he washes you, he regenerates you, he covers your sins, he removes them from you, he remembers them no more, and then he brings you unto himself. He brings you closer to himself. Sanctify means to separate. Jesus wants you for himself, so he begins a separation process in your life. He removes you from worldliness. And all those things you used to be and used to do, he removes them. He begins cutting the ties to the world. I like how Jesus states it in John chapter 17. If you're familiar with that chapter, it's when Jesus is with his disciples shortly before he goes to his passion. It's really the last time he's with them and he teaches them and he prays over them. And when he prays over them, he says this particular verse, John 17, 17, Jesus says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. In other words, if you are a true convert to Christianity, you must embrace his word as the truth of God for it to sanctify you, for it to allow what it needs to do. You must allow the truth of God to enter your heart and do its work. You are responsible for ingesting God's word somehow into your life, reading it, studying it. Listening to it on podcasts, coming to church, a combination of those things, the teachings of the Bible must take root inside of you. They must find a place inside your heart. Now, you don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to be a seminarian. You don't need a doctorate in religious studies. You just need to allow God and His work to sanctify you. You need God's Word inside of your heart. And it will separate you from the world. Start studying your Bible. Read your Bible. Allow it a place in your life to begin to teach you, and it will start separating you, sanctifying you from the world. John 8, 31, Jesus says to those Jews which believe on him, If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Do you need some answers for your life, brothers and sisters? Study his word. Do you need some direction? Study his word. Do you need some understanding? Study his word. Do you need some perception? Study his word. Do you want to understand the signs of the times? Study his word. Study the scriptures. Do you want to know the truth? What is the truth? Why am I here? What's the purpose? What's meaning for all of this? Study the scriptures. So when we get born again, we get cleansed, we get washed. We get sanctified, separated. And then that third thing in Corinthians 6.11 says, But ye are justified. Justified. Justification is the cumulative result of being cleansed and sanctified and separated unto God. Justification is your position in the eyes of God. Justification is the condition you are in when you're cleansed and separated unto Christ. Now what does all that mean? It means simply that when God looks at you to examine your spiritual condition, he sees a just person. Imagine that. You mean me, the one that's embarrassed and would be mortified and humiliated if some of my past sins were played on the screen? You mean that there's a way that God can look down at me and say he's just, he's a good one. He's righteous. When he looks upon you, when you're justified, he'll see a vindicated, vindicated person. 
He'll see a pardoned person. He'll see an upright person. He'll see a righteous person. Remember now, it's not based on your merit. It's not based on my merit, the good things that I've done. It's based on Jesus' righteousness covering you. To be justified means that God will look at you and see a forgiven individual. Someone who's been forgiven. Your sins are washed away. He sees someone that has the blood of Jesus applied to their heart. He will look at you and he'll see the righteousness of his son covering over you. I say amen to that. Isaiah 118 says, Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Imagine that, a holy, just God can look at you and he sees someone who's just as white as snow. Listen to me now. If you're saved... The past doesn't define you, at least in the eyes of God. Human beings can hold things against you, but God doesn't. God doesn't. You aren't those things that you used to do anymore. Some of us have a whole bunch of skeletons in this closet, but if you're saved, those things don't represent you anymore. They're not who you are anymore. Psalms 103, verse 12, listen to this. This is the one of the qualities of the God that we serve. This is the character of the God we serve. It says, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Your debt is paid. If you're saved this morning, your debt is paid. You are cleansed, you are sanctified, and you are justified. God looks at you and he sees a clean heart. God looks at your hands and he sees clean hands. Not because of what you've done, but because the blood of Jesus covers over you and washes you and sanctifies you and justifies you. Justified in the eyes of God. Now, maybe someone here still has a hard time grasping all this. Maybe if we just had a way we could prove that God forgives. Maybe we just had a way we could prove that God remembers our sins no more. Maybe if there was a way we could illustrate the fact that God forgives and cleanses us. Well, we do have a way we can prove it. Very much so. The Bible's God's book, right? It contains all the things that he spoke through divine inspiration. It contains everything that he wants in it, right? So, I'm sure some of you are familiar with Hebrews chapter 11. It's kind of a, one of the more famous or popular chapters in the Bible. It's kind of nicknamed as the heroes of faith, the hall of faith, you know, so on and so forth. It's kind of been nicknamed by that uh, because it contains a whole bunch of Men and women of God that accomplished great feats for the Christian faith. Great feats of faith. And chapter 11 celebrates these individuals and kind of memorializes them, if you will. Chapter 11 lists all these great men and women, and they're in there to encourage us today. So we can look back on this chapter 11 at these men and women of God that accomplished these great feats of faith. And we can know that we can today too as well, just like they did. They were men and women just like we are today. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 7 mentions Noah, very famous person in the Bible. It says this, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things 
not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Now, I noticed that it, it memorializes Noah, Noah here. Noah was a great man of God. But if you remember the story of Noah, he got drunk and slept naked in his tent and ended up cursing one of his sons. But you know what I notice here in Hebrews? There's no mention of that. It doesn't mention his faults. doesn't mention his sins. doesn't mention his failures. Why? Because your sins will be forgiven and your iniquities will I remember no more. This is how God sees Noah. Hebrews 11 is how God remembers these people. God exhibits some sort of divine memory loss. I don't know how to explain it towards the repentant. Towards our past sins, when we're genuinely sorry, when we're genuinely repentant about them, God exhibits some sort of divine memory loss. I don't know how it works, but thank you, Jesus. The Old Testament prophet Micah tells us that the Lord will cast all of our sins to the depths of the sea. You ever watch any of those nature shows about that Mariana Trench? It goes down so deep that they have to try and send these submersibles down. There's all kind of weird looking creatures down there. It goes down miles and miles and miles. It's total darkness down there. Micah says, he'll cast all your sins clear down there. Down clear on the bottom of the Mariana Trench. He'll separate them as far as the east is from the west. Hebrews 11.8 mentions a man named Abraham. Another famous person from the Bible. Verse 8 says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should receive, which he should after receive for an inheritance, he obeyed. And he went out, not knowing where he went. Abraham was another great man of God, but he also had major blunder too. If you remember how the story of Abraham goes, he impregnates his wife's handmaid. Not very good. Gets her pregnant. But Hebrews 11 doesn't mention that, does it? Read it later on after church today. You'll see it doesn't mention that. Why? Because your sins will be forgiven and your iniquities will I remember no more. God looked at Abraham and saw a righteous man. Saw a just man. Why? Because he's forgiven. His sins are covered, cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Hebrews 11, 11. Through faith. Also, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. There's no mention of the fact that it was Sarah's idea to give Abraham, her husband, the handmaid. There's also no mention that once that handmaid got pregnant, Sarah hated her guts, pretty much ran her off, out to be a vagabond. There's no mention of that. Well, why doesn't it mention that? Because your sins will be forgiven and your iniquities will I remember no more. For you are washed, but you are sanctified, but you are justified. Forgiven. Hebrews 11 is a clear illustration about how God views those who have been forgiven. He will remember their sins no more. You're washed from those things. You're washed, you're cleansed. It goes on to mention Moses. You Remember, Moses killed somebody. Moses killed someone. But there's no mention of that in Hebrews 11. Why? Because Moses was forgiven. 
He was washed. He was sanctified. And he was justified. He's not remembered that way. He's not remembered as a murderer. He's remembered as a man of faith. Hebrews 11 doesn't mention the bad stuff. Because that's not how God views them. Not a genuine convert. God sees them as washed, white, clean heart, clean hands. Hebrews 11 goes on to mention the harlot Rahab. Goes on to mention Samson. We all remember what these people did. Goes on to mention King David. What a mess he was. What a mess his family was. All people that had tremendous, tremendous sinful deeds. They too would have been humiliated if their deeds were played up on the screen in front of their church family. They were all people who had humongous blunders. Yet, they're immortalized in the heroes of faith, Hebrews chapter 11. Not because of their misdeeds, but because they were washed. They were sanctified and they were justified. And God separated their sins as far as the east is from the west. Anyone say amen to that? Anyone say hallelujah? Thank you that I'm not what I used to be anymore. If I can ask the band to make their way back, just don't tune out just quite on me yet. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. It says, He that covers his sins shall not prosper. In other words, he that conceals his sins shall not prosper. In other words, any one of us that kicks dirt over or pulls a rug over him, nothing to see here, no, no problems with me. I've always been good. I've always been decent. The Bible says, you shall not prosper. It's not going to go well for you. But whoso confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. Do you understand that's what the Bible's looking for out of us? A genuine heart. Someone who comes and says, mm-hmm, I did it. I broke the law. I broke his moral commands. I broke his moral laws. I am a transgressor of the law. I violated it. He said not to do it. I've done it. I've done it. But whoso confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. If you can have the courage to be honest with God this morning and say, Lord, I have violated them. I've violated them. I've screwed up. I've sinned. I've made mistakes. The Bible says that person will find mercy in their life. All the heroes of faith, they did screw up. They did. But they received salvation through saving faith. They received forgiveness through saving faith. Are you thankful you could be forgiven this morning? You can be forgiven. There is no one else like Jesus. Understand, there's no one. In, in the other religions, there's no one like Jesus. Only Jesus can forgive sins. No one even offers forgiveness like Jesus does. No one can wash away sins like Jesus. No one can solve the problem of sin like Jesus. Aren't you glad you're forgiven? Aren't you glad you're washed? Aren't you for glad you're sanctified, you're separated unto God? Aren't you glad you're justified? If you're saved this morning, you're truly born again, God looks at you as though your sins are removed, as though you're white as snow, your heart is white as snow. Hallelujah to that. Let's stand this morning. Listen, if there's something you've been struggling with, something you've been wrestling with, really, it's, it's the human predicament. It's the human condition. We wrestle with stuff. We battle with stuff. We fight with stuff. 
anyone that needs any type of forgiveness, come down and ask him to forgive you. Come down and ask him to cleanse you. You've been struggling with something, call on God. You've been struggling with guilt, call on Jesus. You've been struggling with shame, call on Jesus. You've been struggling with things from your past, come down and have him make you white as snow. Today, Christ offers redemption for any who would believe. Okay, good. A thousand